Turn to Daniel chapter number 11. Daniel chapter number 11. We're going to be in verse number 36. Daniel chapter 11 in verse 36. We're going to try to finish up all the way through chapter 12. Uh, uh, now I put out, I put out new, new outlines and, and basically the first outline or the first point of the new outline is the last point of your old outline. I don't know if you caught that or not. Y'all see that the first point. So, so if you want to make sure that that other paper has an answer filled in, you can look at the first point of this one and fill them in. Sir, say amen. All right. All right. Daniel chapter 11 in verse 36. And the king shall do according to his will. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God. And shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. Nor regard any God. For he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And the God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land. What is the glorious land? Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east, out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy, utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Now, remember, uh, chapters 10, 11 and 12 all go together. All right. They're all the same. They're all the same vision. And we just roll on from 40, verse 45 into verse 1. And at that time, at that time, the time of this last king that we're talking about here, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, that's that angel, the, 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 really the, the, the guardian angel of the nation of Israel. The great prince was standing for the children of thy, tr- thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. trouble. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you so much. <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you for a divine heads up in what's going to happen. Thank you for prophecy. Thank you for truth. Thank you for scriptures that will encourage us, inspire us, challenge us, and convict us. Lord, I pray that you'll be with every single person in this room. Lord, this is a very busy week. Uh, uh, Lord, uh, probably our, our biggest day of the year, this Sunday. Lord, we're, we're going to have more people in this building than probably all year long. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just flow in this place. I pray that when they walk through the doors, they will feel your presence, Lord, and, and be convicted by the preaching and the, uh, uh, Lord, the teaching and everything we do with the gospel this coming Sunday. I pray that your perfect will be done. Be with us tonight. Help us as we finish this book. I pray that you will let everything flow. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me deliver what you've given to me today. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, I don't deserve it, but I need it. And I praise you for it. And I pray that you'll let me remember what I study. I pray that you don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And God will praise you and thank you and give you the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> Just a quick review or small review uh, last week we began in, uh, chapter number 11 and we covered the first part of that chapter with a, a back and forth, back and forth feuding, fighting between the King of the North and the King of the South. And we, we know that represented not just one particular King, but the leadership, the leaders of those in Syria, and then, then the leaders of those in Egypt. Egypt represented the king of the south and Syria in that area represented the kings of the north and, and back and forth, back and forth. They would come and conquer back and forth and fight. And who was stuck right in the middle of them? Israel, Israel, Israel was uh, at the brunt of all of that. Then we learned in the mid part of that chapter, we learned about a, a brutal dictator, a wicked, wicked man who was a foreshadow of the coming Antichrist, whose name was Antiochus Epiphanes or uh, Antiochus, whichever way you want to pronounce that. Uh, uh, he was a wicked, wicked man who, who, who did what was called the abomination that maketh desolate. He came in and he put a pagan uh, a statue of Zeus up in the temple. He, he sacrificed a pig on the altar, which we know is unclean, is not kosher to the Jewish people, and, and poured uh, sow's uh, broth all over the temple and desecrated the temple. Desecrated the temple, killed, killed countless numbers of Jews and had 40,000 taken into slavery and sold into slavery. And it was just an Old Testament picture of a New Testament person who will be coming on the scene on this earth. If y'all with me, say amen. amen. Now, we stopped, we stopped at the last part of that chapter, the last part of that chapter, beginning in verse number 36 uh, uh, down to verse number 45, is a description and an explanation of the Antichrist. The coming world leader. We've already discussed him several, several times through the book of Daniel. 
Uh, he, he has seen visions, he's seen dreams and, 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 and God has described this person in a small form each time, each time that we have seen him and talked about him, but this is a more descriptive time. This is a more descriptive illustration of him. And so we're going to look at this and the whole, the whole last part of chapter number 11 and the entire chapter number 12 is all about the end. It's all about the end. It it is your title. What's going to happen in the end? And so with that being said, let's jump right into it. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Verse 36. And the king, the Antichrist, shall do according to his will. In other words, he's going to be a self-willed person. It's all about himself. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak marvelous things against the God of God's and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that that is, or excuse me, for that that is determined shall be done. In other words, all of this is according to God's plan. Every bit of it. Uh, it's going to look really dark. And, and by the way, the last part, the last part of, of, of this particular vision itself, the last part of everything that Daniel has received uh, in, in the visions and the prophecies has been very dark. It's been very uh, dismal, if you will. It's been very depressing when it comes to God's people. And I think there are many times that God will slide things in here to let you know that no matter how dark it is, I'm still in charge. I'm still in charge. Listen, First of all, number one, we look at the Antichrist. First of all, write this down. A, write down his wickedness. His wickedness. The Bible says he's going to speak marvelous things, strange things. Your Webster's Dictionary says strange things, marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper to the indignation be accomplished. He shall magnify himself above every God. He shall exalt himself. He's going to be so full of himself. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, this is the same person, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He's going to tell, he's going to try to convince the world that he's God and he's going to demand worship. The Bible says in second Thessalonians two, eight, and then shall that what wicked, wicked say it with me, then shall that Wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Revelation 13 describes this man in his wickedness. Verse five, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies blasphemies and power and power was given unto him to continue 40 in two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven to blame, to lay blame. The word blasphemy, it's two, it's two words to give forth blame, to lay blame, to charge blame. And it's amazing. It's amazing how 
uh, this man is going to be the, the ultimate atheist, but yet he wants to blame something he doesn't even believe in. And we'll see, we'll see what we're talking about. Wickedness, wickedness. He just blasphemes God, just, just runs down everything, anything. He, he puts himself as to be God. Now watch this. This is, this is really, this is really important. B, we see his worship. He said, but, but preacher, you just said he was an atheist. Let me finish. Look in verse 37. Verse 37, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Oh, now, now there are some people, there are some people that believe that when he says he will not regard the God of his fathers. They think, they think, and, and, and they teach, and they may be right. I don't think they're right, but they may be. Uh, but they believe that this means that the Antichrist is going to be a Jew. They believe he's going to be a Jew because that, that is a reference that's made uh, several times in Scripture uh, when it says Abraham, or, or, or Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then said he is the God of our fathers, our God of our fathers. But that could be plural. It could be Gentile. Uh, uh, the Gentiles had many gods and, and it could be that, uh, then it, then with that, it says, it says, nor the desire of women. So people take that as being, he's a homosexual because he has no desire for, uh, female companionship. He has no desire for the natural, uh, uh, or a natural desire for women. But I don't think that's it either. Uh, if you keep it in context for the whole verse, for the whole verse, it's all talking about gods, a God, God's worship or, 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 or following, uh, believing in a God. And, and, and in, in scripture, in scripture, one of the titles, one of the titles for the Messiah was the desire of women. In other words, every single, every single young Jewish maid that was growing up, they had a desire to be the mother of the Messiah. They had a desire to be the mother of the promised seed, the promised Messiah that God was going to send. And so the, uh, it was many times it was used in that, that particular uh, context that the Messiah was the desire of women. Now, if you keep that in mind, let's read it again. Let's read it again. It says this, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. In other words, no God, no God, even in, in his heritage, nor the desire of women. Now, if we put that, if we put that as being the Messiah or, or the Jewish God that the Jews have been waiting on, he has no regard for, he has no regard for him either, nor regard what? any God. See, that's what makes me think. I don't, I don't think he's going to say he doesn't regard the God of his fathers and and then going to talk about his sexual preference and then say in any God, it don't fit. It don't fit. I here's, here's the, here's what I believe is teaching. He has no regard for any God period. No fault. No, no, no. Any kind of religion, any kind of following, any kind of cult, any kind of anything. He has, he has 
absolutely no regard. Now we can even apply it this. I, I've, I've talked to some pastors that I have a lot of confidence in. And even with this saying he has no desire for women, he, he's, they still don't think that he's talking about having, uh, uh, that means he's homosexual. He prefers to be with a man. He has no love for anything but himself. He's exalted himself. He magnifies himself. He has no love left for anything or anybody but his own self. Does that make sense? And so we see he's so conceited, so full of himself, so wicked. He has, he's a, he's the ultimate atheist. The ultimate atheist claiming there is no God but myself. I am, I am God. I am God. So he worships himself. He wants the whole world to worship him. He has no regard for any, any God that man has created or any God that there is. But also this, also this, look what, look what the next one. But in his estate. That, that's okay. And this is where I'm getting the points from. Verse 37, he worships himself. Verse 38, he worships power. He worships power. But in his estate shall he honor the God of what? Forces. He, 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 his God, if he has a God, is power. Strength, the ability to destroy in his state shall he honor the God of forces and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. What's that mean? He's going to spend everything he has to buy power, weaponry, uh, uh, warfare devices. He spends all that he has. He spends all that he can get on, on weapons of destruction. Then it says this, then it says this. Thus shall he do, thus shall he do in the most strongholds. In other words, he's going to attack many, many places of security, many strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. In other words, this is, this is what that verse is saying. He is going to reward those who will follow him. He's going to reward those who will worship him. He's going to reward those who will support him and divide land. He's going to give spoils to those who will follow him. That's what it means. So he does not believe in a God of heaven. He believes he is a God and his God, the thing that he worships, his idol is power. Say that with me. His idol or his God is now. Now, why did Satan get kicked out of heaven? I'm going to set my throne above this. Are y'all with me? He wanted power. He wanted power. He had beauty. He had, if you want to use the word fame, use the word glory. He had, he had everything, but he craved power. Keep in mind, this man that we're talking about, this antichrist is going to be Satan incarnate, Satan incarnate. 
Isn't it, isn't it, and, and remember, anti-Christ. Anti-Christ, the opposite. Now, how, how long is he going to be doing his thing? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. How long was Jesus' ministry on this earth? Three and a half years. Jesus came and humbled himself. Came, according to scripture, meek and lowly. But this man wants power. He worships power. He gives everything he has to gain more power. His worship. But then look at his warfare. See. By the time we get to verse 40. By the time we get to verse 40. He is a he is a world leader by now. He has got he has got. I believe I believe that this is around this is around the time of the mid part of the tribulation period because the, the abomination of desolation. Let me let me back up for some of you who are new here. What is going to trigger the last seven years of time on this earth is going to be a treaty, a covenant signed with Israel and the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be a political figure out of Europe, uh, out of a 10 federation or 10 nation federation who is going to promise to Israel protection. He's going to promise them uh, that he will take care of them and they will, he will allow them to build their temple. Their temple is going to be rebuilt and they're going to think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're going to believe in him. They're going to think he's a hero. They're going to think he's wonderful. And then in, in three and a half years, he's going to turn on them and he's going to see, he's going to show his true colors. And and this is where we're at between 39 and verse 40. All right. He's gained power. He's gained incredible wealth. He's, he's, he's gained a following. I believe that by this time, I believe that by this time that the, the, the mark has come out. I believe, uh, the economic situation, everything, you know, he, you have to have a mark to buy and to sell. Here we go now, but there's going to be, there's going to be some dissension. There's going to be people who, who are, are not going to like his rule and reign in this earth. Specifically, we see once again, and this is the last time we will see, like we did in the first part of this chapter, the king of the north and the king of the. So we see North Africa, North Africa is going to come. I believe it's going to be Libya. I believe it's going to be uh, Sudan. I I believe it's going to be all of those in that realm right there. Uh, uh, You're going to see primarily Egypt. They're going to come and attack because they don't like what he's doing. Then you're going to have the North coming down, Syria coming down and, and probably Turkey with them and, and, and a confederation there coming down to attack. And this is where we're at in verse 40. And at that time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him means attack him. So we're, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not going for this. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind and with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. In other words, he's going to defeat them. The antichrist is going to defeat both of them. He shall enter also into the glorious land. What is the glorious land? Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hand upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. 
but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. So he, he, is, he is victorious over the groups from the north and the south that has come against him. He spoils Egypt, takes their wealth, takes their, 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 their riches and, and increases his wealth with that. But he has a problem. He hears some news. He's getting uh, 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 intelligence reports that something's building in the east. Something's building in the east. Uh, that possibly could be uh, Russia, China, Asia. Uh, India could be a, a part of that. Uh, and, and so we have, to, we have to do something. Verse 44, the tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly to make many away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. This is in reference to the battle of Armageddon. All right. He's going to bring his his uh, headquarters, if you will, into Israel. In between the seas, I believe he's talking about the, the Mediterranean Sea and most likely the Dead Sea or the Sea of Galilee. And here is setting up for the greatest battle on earth. And we're going to see his warfare. All right. His warfare. Two things we see. A failed attack. A failed attack in verses 40 through 43. Now, remember, in the first three and a half years, he's a politician. In the first three and a half years, he's, he, he deals with flattery. He does everything by uh, a political sway. He comes as the white horse rider. How many of y'all remember in Revelation chapter number six? I, I saw a, a, a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow in his hand, right? Uh, it's all false. It's all imitation. He is the Antichrist. Remember this. Remember this. That in Revelation 19, Revelation 19, we find the genuine Christ. Revelation 19 is the one coming, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But he is the anti. He's on the, the, the white horse imitating, imitating the real Jesus in Revelation 19. But right after that, when the second seal is broken... The second seal is broken. Can anybody remember the second horse and what color it was? The red horse. What does red represent? War. War. He's going he's gonna to show his true colors. He's going to go from a peace-loving politician to a bloodthirsty killer. Now, it says in Revelation 6, 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, war is going to break out. War is going to break out globally, globally. They're going to attack from close, but it's going to be a failed attack. And he's going to gain even more power and more prestige, more notoriety after he destroys Egypt and spoils them. So, so we're going to have some armies in the east that are coming. This is spoken about, this is the future Armageddon. The future Armageddon. <clears throat> now this is going to take place at the end of the tribulation. And we're going to talk about the tribulation in the next point. 
But it's here, so we, 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 we're going to deal with it before we get to uh, chapter 12. Revelation 16, 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. You remember them? Where, where was the news coming from? The east. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, what? Armageddon. Armageddon. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 14. Revelation chapter number 14. Napoleon, Napoleon said that valley, Megiddo, was the greatest battlefield he'd ever seen. And it is beautiful too, by the way. We're, we're, we're going to see that in December again, but it, it is incredible. All right. Revelation 14 and verse 18. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the so here we have a picture of, of how many of y'all know what a sickle is, you know, with the big curved blade. Uh, and, and we have the earth as a type of a garden. So this is the picture you get it says the grapes are fully ripe. All right. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. Now, let me tell you what that means. That wine press, everybody knows what a wine press is, like this big tub where they put all the grapes in and they have something to squish them. You know, in the old days, they get in there and tramp them down with their feet. Nasty. Say amen. But either way, they crush the grapes and then out of the tube at the bottom comes the wine, right? Comes the juice, comes the pulp and, and all that comes out. Well, this valley, this valley is that wine press. This is the description. The grapes are people. It is the people that, that God is bringing, the, the nations against Israel, the wicked, wicked people who, are y'all with me? And the wine press, the wine press, let me see. Let me back up and cast it into the great, great wine press of the what? And the wine press was trodden without the city and the blood came out of the wine press, even into the horses bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now look at, now look at Revelation 19. That is a picture of Armageddon. Revelation 19 verse 11. This is even a more descriptive. Now here's what's going to happen. The kings of the east are going to bring their armies. And I believe, I believe nations around the world are going to bring their armies to fight the Antichrist. Because they don't like his rule. They, there's dissension. And they're going to get to Armageddon. They're going to get to this valley. 
But when that happens, when that happens, they're going to see the sign of the coming of the son of man. That is where we find ourselves in Revelation 19. Jesus shows up. All nations are fixing to fight each other. But Jesus shows up and they team up to turn to fight him. That's what that's what happens. All right. Revelation 19. Revelation 19 verse number 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Who is it? Who are we talking about? Jesus. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. John one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The same was with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Somebody say amen. Amen. And later on in that chapter, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory as have the only begotten of the father. This is the Lord Jesus. He's the word of God. The armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword that with it, he shall smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Watch this. And he treadeth, he treadeth. You remember what we said? That wine press is that big vat and they would get in, put the, put the grapes in there and they would tread it down. All right. Who's doing the treading? Jesus. He shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the wine press of the fierceness and the wrath of what? Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together into the supper of the great God. There's going to be so many dead people in that valley. He's going to call vultures to come and feed on their carcasses. That ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them, the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him. You see, they've turned, they've turned and joined together to fight Christ. The beast is the antichrist and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with, the, with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had deceived the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which, is, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's, that's going to be a, a serious battle. The battle of all battles, the end. All right, number two. Number two, let's look at the great tribulation. Now, chronologically, chronologically, that's going to be at the end of the seven years. At the end of the three and a half years of his merciless, murderous reign. But in the chapter, we, we are now discussing the tribulation period in chapter 12, verse one. So does everybody understand that? We're going to talk about this, this 
last three and a half years now. Okay. But what we just read, what we just discussed happens at the end of what we're discussing right now. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Okay. All right. In other words, chronologically, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. We didn't, we're following the chapter, but this, this happens at the end. All right. Verse chapter 12, verse one. And at that time, at that time, the time of the end, the time of the Antichrist, shall Michael stand up, the great prince was standing for the children of thy people. Who's thy people? Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that should be found written in the book. All right. So here's, let's look at our notes. Jeremiah 30 verse six. This, this is describing this time. It's how bad this is going to be. This last three and a half years. All right. Let me, let me, let me lead you up to that. Let me lead you up to that. Seven year treaty is signed. Seven year treaty is signed, right? Seven year covenant, seven year treaty is signed. The antichrist with Israel. First three and a half years, he's the white horse rider. He's the politician. He's the smooth talking uh, uh, statesman that that has the world just bowing down to his feet, thinking he's the greatest thing ever. When that temple is built, when that temple is put together and he allows them to finish their temple and, and begin to offer the sacrifices again. They're going to, and that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons they think he's so great because they're finally, they're finally going to get their temple again. They're finally going to be able to reinstitute their worship that has been uh, vacant for so many years. And now they've reinstituted the, the, the sacrifices and the worship Judaism like uh, was in the old Testament. Well, three and a half years and he stops it. He goes in and he says, you can no longer do this. I don't want you sacrificing to your God. He, he, he puts himself as what? God. I am God. You worship me. Now, if you will remember when we were on Sunday, on Sunday mornings through Matthew, Jesus talked about this. You remember in Matthew 24, he said, when you see that, when you see that, and he, and he quoted, Jesus quoted Daniel. He quoted the abomination of desolation when he walks in and makes them stop having their normal sacrifices and says, bow down to me, I am God. That is the abomination that maketh desolate. And he said, when you see that, you run. Don't even go inside. Don't even try to pack your clothes. Don't even, listen, you get out of there. Because when that happens... The Antichrist is going to turn on the Jews and, and the ferocity and the, he's, he, it is going to be there. Listen, Hitler never had, never even come close to what the Antichrist is going to do to the Jewish people. He's going to attack them in, in, in such an incredible way and cause death. That's, that's what we see in the red horse, the red horse. Then after the red horse is the black horse, obviously. But this is what, this is what the Old Testament prophets describe this period of time. Here in Daniel, he said, he said that Michael's going to stand up for the children. This is the nation of Israel, but there shall be a time of 
Come on, everybody. There shall be a time of trouble. Trouble. How bad is that trouble? Such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. Israel, the Jewish people have gone through Holocaust just and, and, and everybody picks out Hitler, but there's more people that, listen, you see what Babylon did to him. You see all throughout history. But according to this verse, none of them, none of them compared to what they're going to go through during this last three and a half years. Jeremiah 30 verse six describes it. Ask ye now, ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Does it, does a man travail with child? Does a man have labor pains? No, but he says, wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail and all faces are turned into paleness. In other words, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be as if they're in labor pains. Matthew 24, 21. For then shall be what? Great Great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. This this three and a half years, there's there's a purpose behind everything. God is doing something. God is doing something with this, this time. So let's see. A, write this down. He's bringing the Jewish people back to God. He's bringing the Jewish people back to God. They're going to cry out to God like they never have. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, well, well, man, if there's any, any group of people, if there's any group of people on the planet that's religious, it's the Jews. That's not true. That's not true. There are more homosexuals in, in Tel Aviv than probably concentrated than any, any place on the planet. Atheists. Now we think Israel, when we go visit Israel, we think Israel, man, the holy land, everybody's holy. Everybody's religious, everybody's got, but that's not so. That's not so. You, you drive through Tel Aviv and it's, you might as well be driving through New York City. And then when you get to Jerusalem, when you get to the Jerusalem, which is really the, the religious capital where you, you do find religion, it's a false religion. They're still waiting on their Messiah. So they're not, they're not with God and they are not following the God of the Bible. They are still, they are still as the apostle Paul described them. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, not according to truth. He said, they've gone about to establish their own righteousness. But in this time, God is going to bring them back to himself. He's going to use the tribulation to bring the Jewish people back to himself. B, he's going to shake man's confidence in himself and the earth. He's going to shake man's confidence in himself and the earth. 
Now it doesn't go into as much detail in the book of Daniel as it does the book of Revelation of all of the natural disasters that's going to take place. Now, why are you saying shake confidence in himself? Because the Bible says, the Bible says in the last days, people shall be lovers of themselves. Heady, high-minded. There is so much, there is so much people worship today. There's so much claiming that people are their own gods. There, there is earth worship. Mother earth, all of this. And God's going to show them. God's going to show them. He's going to shake man's confidence in himself and the earth. See, write this down. He's going to redeem those who have never heard the gospel who turn to him. He's going to redeem those who have never heard the gospel who turn to him. I think there's going to be the greatest time of revival that's ever taken place during the tribulation. Millions and millions of people are going to turn to Christ. 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to be sealed and they're going to be sent to all four corners of the earth. The preaching and the prophesying of the two witnesses. Then, then, then there, we have the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the two witnesses, and then you have the, the strong angel that goes. I mean, there's going to be an angelic evangelist that flies preaching the gospel. And, and there's going to be tons of people saved. Most of them are going to give their life. They're going to be martyred, but they're going to trust in Christ. God is going to use the tribulation period to bring the Jewish people back to himself, shake man's confidence in himself and the earth, redeem those who have never heard the gospel, who turn to him. D, judge Christ rejecting man. Judge Christ rejecting man. You know, some of the, some of the most amazing verses in the Bible, you'll find during the tribulation period that man is under such pain and agony from all of the judgments that God is sending. It's going to be three different sets of judgments, seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven bowl or vile judgments are going to be poured out each in succession, each increasing in their ferocity. And it comes a point where they are so, so in such pain that they gnaw their tongues. And this is what they do. This is what they do. According to the book of Revelation, they cry out to God for forgiveness. No. They blaspheme God. And refuse. Watch this now. This is what it says. And refuse to repent. Refuse to repent. Now think about it. They know there's a God. They know who's causing it. They know who's sending the judgments. They know who's sending the punishment. They know who's sending all this, but they are, what does the Bible say? Men love darkness rather than light. And even with all of the judgments, even with every, and, 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 and people are the, what, what kind of God would do that? A God who wants him to turn. In other words, in other words, there is an increasing amount. And, 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 and if you don't look at it through the right lens, you fail to see the grace. You fail to see the mercy. 
You fail to see the opportunities that God gives over and over and over and over to repent and to turn. But it just proves how wicked man's heart truly is. Listen, it's going to be devastating. But see, there's one last thing he's doing during the tribulation period that has to be done. It's preparing the world for Christ's reign on earth. There is going to be a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus. And God is preparing this earth for his reign. Let's hurry. Verse two. And many of them and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall what? Awake. Awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So now we, we see God is teaching Daniel about the resurrection. There's two resurrections. There's going to be a resurrection of the saved. Two types. Two types. All right. Two types. Saved people are going to be resurrected. First Corinthians 15. Their resurrection is going to be a little different than the lost. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. Changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised what? Incorruptible. Incorruptible. Now, when we go down, if we go down, we go down in corruption. Our bodies are breaking down. I, I read an article. I read an article that a doctor said, the moment you're born, you begin to die. Cells begin to die in your body. Your cells replenish itself, but they begin to die. Isn't that amazing? He said, in the, in the day that you eat that fruit because of sin, you shall surely. And every single human being that's been born ever since that day has begun to die at the moment of birth. But when we come back, we may go down corrupt. And we may go down sickly. We may go down weak. And we may go down sinful. We, we're going to go down corrupt, but we shall be raised incorrupt. Say amen. This mortal shall put on. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Say it with me. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Now think about, think about what I just said. Now let me say it again. Let me say it again. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, that means at the resurrection, at the resurrection, then this is going to happen. It says when that happens, the resurrection, then shall be brought past the Saying, saying, that means there's going to be people saying this. Y'all ain't getting this, do you? In other words, we're going to come out the ground and we're going to turn around and look at that grave and say, read it. It says, when this corrupt shall put on incorruption, when this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, grave, where's thy victory? 
Death, where's our sting? You thought you had us. Anyway, y'all, y'all need to read y'all's Bible. I'm telling you. First Thessalonians, write this down beside it because I didn't have room. I'd run out of paper. First Thessalonians 4.16. We don't have time to turn, but I'll just quote it for you. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. That's describing this, what we just read. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. We're going we're gonna to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Sadly, everybody's not going to get up then. Everybody's not going to get up then. There's going to be a thousand years of Christ's reign. At the end, at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be the resurrection of the lost. Now in verse two, it says, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and then some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the description of the second, the second type of resurrection. Revelation 20 verse one or 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the... And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, you're only going to die once. And all God's people say it. Ooh, we got to hurry, 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 hurry. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Man, I want to talk about that some more. But we, we, Let's do reward, reward. Verse three. And they that be wise, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. All right, that's our reward. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? That when Jesus was talking about rewards, and you say, how did we get rewards? We work for them. Let me, let me show you. Let me show you. First Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Wherefore we what? Labor. 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 Labor means a work, right? Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the what? The judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, what does that mean? It means all of the saved, all of the saved are going to be judged according to their labor, right? According to their labor. And, and we know in scripture also, it says this, that we can build, you know, Christ is the foundation. Salvation is the foundation, but on our foundation, we build, we work, right? And, and the materials we use are wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones, Right. 
One of them is flammable and combustible and will be and gone. But if you put gold in fire, it just becomes more pure. And what is he saying? Our works, our labor, the things that we do after we're saved. You see, you don't work for salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of, come on everybody, not of works lest any man should boast. So we don't work to get saved. We are saved by faith. But after we're saved by faith, we get to work. Are y'all with me? Why do we get to work? Because one day he is going to judge our works and he is going to reward us accordingly. Now here's what I was trying to get at before I started running that rabbit. The work that is described in Daniel Is witnessing. Now there's a lot of good stuff you can do as a Christian, right? How many of y'all believe giving somebody a sandwich that's hungry is a good work? I think it is. Giving somebody, the Bible says about, you know, uh, 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 giving a man a coat, right? If you say, be ye warm in the field, you didn't help him. Get a man a jacket, right? All right. But what God chose to specify what God chose to be specific about and say, he's going to reward it in a special way is sharing your faith. Witnessing. Look, let me read it. Y'all looking at me funny. Y'all must hadn't been doing that in a while. Look what it says. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they watch this now. Let's read it. Everybody read it. Verse three. And they that, let's all read it. You ready? And they that turn many to righteousness as the. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm saying, let's tell somebody. God's going to reward you. You're, you're going to have it. You're, you're going to have it. It's just going to be something special about you in the, in the millennial reign in glory. Listen, let's get to work. Let's share our faith. Let's tell our story. There's tons of people who need to hear. Amen? Amen. Listen, last of all, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Conclusion. That, that wraps up, that wraps up 12 to 3, kind of wraps up the vision. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and shall be increased or knowledge shall be increased. He's telling Daniel, basically in our just plain old simple terms, you're not going to get all this. You're not going to understand all this. You remember last week when we were going down each king, king of the north, king of the south, king of the north, king of the south, king of the north, king of the south. Daniel ain't got a clue about all that. But we can look back at secular history and we can name every single one of them. God is telling Daniel, now you're not going to understand all this. You're not going to get all of this, but keep this precious. Keep this with the people because there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when they're going to run to and fro to find knowledge and they're going to need this book. They're going to need this truth. Church, say amen. Verse five, then I, Daniel looked and behold, there stood other two 
Now remember, one angel had been talking to him. So now there's two more individuals. I believe one of those individuals is the Lord Jesus Christ in that pre-incarnate that we had studied earlier, right? It said there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank and of the river and the, and, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, that's the pre-incarnate Christ, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven. He's making a, he is making a promise here. And swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. Time, one year. Times, plural, two years. And a half. Three and a half years. All right? And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, go thy way. For the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. He, basically, he's saying, Daniel, I, you're not going to get this. You're not going to understand. But there's coming a day that there's going to be people that read this. Read this precious book. And they're going to get it. They're going to understand. Wicked people are going to keep being wicked. Now, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. That is at the midpoint. Y'all remember? Three and a half years. At the midpoint, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five, uh, see, three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thy way till the end be. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Now, here, here's, here's what I, want, I need you to see. These are extended days past the two and a half years. If you count up the days, if you count up the days, we go past in the, in the last two numbers that they just gave you. Now you say, what are those all about? We don't know. We don't know specifically, but we can guess. And let me just give you a guess, okay? After, after the tribulation period, after the battle of Armageddon, after that takes place, Jesus is going to come to Jerusalem and those mountains are going to split that we talked about before. And he's going to gather all nations to himself. Y'all remember? And he is going to put some on the right and some on the left. How many of y'all remember what this judgment is? The goats and the sheep. The goats and the sheep. The goats will be the lost and the sheep will be the believers on the left. Now what are they what is he doing this for? The ones that on the left, he said, you can enter in to the kingdom. And I believe I believe may not be, may not be but he said, blessed are they that come. There's two extensions of days past the, the three and a half years. 
And I believe the first part of the extension is, is he's gathering all the Jews that have been scattered from every nation and bringing them to their kingdom. Then he's using the other days to bring in all of the people he's going to judge to determine who gets to go in the kingdom or who goes to hell. In other words, other words, everybody that goes into the millennial kingdom will be saved, will be saved. He will judge them, separate the, the, the nations, the, the sheep nations and the goat nations and all that goes in. And I believe that takes place. That takes place in those days after, after, uh, the battle of Armageddon. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now two, two I, I got two more words to give you, right? Prediction, prediction is the first word. He's given you the times. He's given you those specific days. And then the promise. This is it. Oh, we're way over time. Let's hurry, 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 hurry. We're going to get this one. Watch this. Verse 13, verse 13. Here's a promise. Keep in mind, Daniel's still struggling a little bit. He's wanting to know. He doesn't understand it all completely. But watch what God tells him. But go thou thy way till the end be. For thou shalt thou shalt rest. Now watch this now. Watch this. Now see y'all, y'all all folding stuff up and ain't even paying attention. Look at me. Look at me. This is the best part. Thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot. What does that mean? When the, when the nation of Israel went into the promised land and they conquered, Joshua, which by the way, is the Old Testament version of Jesus, okay? Joshua divided the inheritance by lot. This, or we could use the word allotment. This is yours. This is yours. This is yours. This is yours. This is your lot. This is what you inherit. This is what is waiting on you. Keep in mind, this is a 80 to 90 year old man who has spent almost his entire life in a pagan land who was longing for home And God said, just rest. Your lot will be waiting on you. (laughs) Woo! Y'all getting what I'm saying? Everything's been dark. Everything's been frightening. Everything's been scary. Trouble like you've never seen, like never's been on this planet. But don't worry. Everything is going to be all right. 